every thought has an energy and that energy has effects on the body and how much of uh, our our healing is not just take a supplement but is change your thinking change your feeling change your pres your self presence maybe change who you hang out with and maybe change how you live in the environment Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome, welcome. It's episode 232 of the Anthropology Podcast. And I am joined today by really a legend in this space. Udo Erasmus is someone that I came across literally in a health food store. I didn't bump into the man. I bumped into the shelf with the man's face on it. Udo is the founder of Udo's Choice, and he has been speaking about the benefits of healthy oils in one's diet for the better part of the last 25 to 30 years. He is literally the founding father of flax oil and has been speaking to how we need to healthily be incorporating oils uh, into our diet for most of his career. I thought this episode was really going to be about us demystifying the right types of oils to have in our diet. How do we know what to include? What should we fry with? What should we not? But to be honest, it it digressed in a really meaningful way really quickly into an understanding of the meaning of life and an evolution of health and what true health really means and where we have gone astray. And yes, we talked about what you need to do to effectively fry or not fry your food and why the adulteration of oil has become a problem and and why we have so much pervasive illness in our society. But we also spoke on a variety of really meaningful topics. I thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to interview Udo and I'm super excited to give you the opportunity to hear from him now. Udo Erasmus, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Hey, glad to be on. Well, I'm very excited for this conversation. You know, there are certain names in the realm of healthcare uh, that have really stood the test of time in terms of the quality and consistency of work and product they are putting into the world. And you are one of those people. Udo, before we jump into the the depths of this interview, I'm hoping you can share with, with my listeners an overview of your journey and your story uh, that takes us to where we are today. Oh, God. I was born in 1942 in in Poland, which was then part of Germany. So I'm a war baby. We were refugees when I was not yet three, uh, fleeing from communist tanks and trucks in horse-drawn hay wagons, mothers with young children on dirt roads. And the allies, the good guys, were using the refugees as target practice. So we were being shot at from planes and in the mess of that, uh, I just remember not feeling safe and being hungry and, and uh, not knowing what I could depend on. 
Um, my mother had to leave two of her own children behind because she went through the fields that was safer than on the roads. Uh, uh, and uh, I was very, very shy as a kid, lived in books because books were safe. You know, you can read about a war in a book. <laughs> it's not the same as bullets flying. <laughs> and uh, when I was six years old, I kind of found my purpose just inadvertently. I listened to adults argue. And uh, they argued about things that seemed to me as a six-year-old really trivial. So why are you arguing about that? And it occurred to me, man, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. And then like a little six-year-old who doesn't know how complicated everything is, it's like, I'm going to find out how. And that's been my driver all my life. I, I look at it now and say, wow, the, what a gift that was to be in a war. It didn't feel like it when I was in it. But it it rubbed my nose on the fact of what happens when people don't cultivate cooperation and care and love and peace when they can, when they have the luxury to do it. Because when we don't cultivate the good, we tend to drift towards the bad. And so I got that early. And so for me, my whole life has always been is, first of all, how do I get whole? Because I didn't feel whole. So number one, how to get? How do I get whole? And how can I live in wholeness? And then num number two, once I feel whole, there's nothing left to do except to help. So where can I help? What can, what needs to be done? How can I make the biggest splash for good that I can do in one body in one lifetime? Well, you have certainly done that, and, and we're going to get into some of the things that you have have created along the way. Um, but I actually just want to go back to that that point in the story, I, I speak a lot about purpose. I really find, uh, as a clinician, I found purpose actually to be one of the single biggest determinants of health outcomes uh, for my patients. And you mentioned that you really, like you had clarity around your purpose at the age of six. Mm -hmm. How did you know that? Well, I didn't, I, I didn't call it purpose. It just like, it just grabbed me. I just, you know, it was like I've been preoccupied with it ever since. Was it a feeling? Is it the same feeling now as it was then? Mm, no, I think that I was, I think I, I think that was a clear point in my confusion because I was pretty confused as a kid. I, I have a, a, an experiential clarity now that comes from taking time for stillness. And I've been doing that for almost 50 years, but, but it came, but it, but it all came out of that question. You know, and then I, I got into I got into science to figure out how things work when it came to education. Then I got into biological sciences to figure out how creatures work. Then I got into psychology to figure out how thinking works. Then I got into medicine to figure out how health works, but found out it was just about disease. Went back into biochemistry and genetics. Still hadn't found what I was looking for. Left university, got into first into psychedelics in the 60s. Uh, for a couple of years, and they actually blew the door open for possibility, literally opened up my world. And, uh, and then eventually I got into self-knowledge because I really needed to know how I work. So, uh, and purpose, purpose came, I would say, clarity on purpose as purpose came later, later on, came when I was uh, probably close to 40. 
I love this commitment that you have made around the, the discovery and the ongoing investigation and, and the curiosity mm-hmm. that has driven so much of what you do. Mm-hmm. I know certainly for me and a number of, of my listeners, I mean, one of the things that we know you for are your Udo's Choice supplements. And and over my years in clinical practice, new patients would come in and I'd say, what supplements are you on? And they're like, oh, I'm on Udo's oil. <laughs> like that's, that's all I take. That is like my one size fits all. How did that happen? How did that come to be? How is that? How is that the product that so many people have um, gotten to know you through? Well, I uh, I think I think most of my my useful inventions have come from disasters, and this one is no different. I we I got married and we had three kids, and my marriage broke up, and I was really upset. I mean, I was really upset, and I wanted to kill something. And so I took a full-time job as a pesticide sprayer. I had had a license from a gardening job I had done. And uh, so I sprayed pesticides for a living for three years, really carelessly. I walked over the lawns. I'd sprayed barefoot until the skin peeled off the bottom of my feet. Then I did it in rubber boots. And it was a summer job, so I always did it in a bathing suit because I wanted to have a tan because I'm a blonde guy and if you're dissatisfied then if you're light you want to be dark and if you're dark you want to be light right whatever you've got is not okay and so and so i got poisoned by it went to the doctor said what do you have for pesticide poisoning and she said nothing and the penny dropped (laughs) that day the penny dropped (laughs) oh my god my health is my responsibility and i was never like a real junk food eater we ate pretty simply and we ate lots of vegetables when i was a kid because we didn't have much money um we had a big garden so it wasn't like i was just all into junk food but i wasn't really taking care of myself and i kind of thought i was immortal i think we, we sometimes call a testosterone self-poisoning <laughs> guys get that until they have their first disaster they think i know nothing about what you're talking about <laughs> Anyway, so, so, uh, and, and then I, I, because I had the background, I said, well, how do I help myself? Obviously I stopped spraying pesticides. (laughs) And then I said, okay, but how do I get myself better? And I knew from biology that your body turns over. So like 98% of the atoms in the body are removed and replaced every year. So this is a major construction site. And that's why healing is possible because all you have to do is when, when your health goes down, then what you have to do is you have to raise your standard for your intake of food, water, air, and light. And within one year, you will have rebuilt 98% of your body to a higher standard. So, so I was, I, I knew that. And then I started looking at, well, in the research, uh, health and nutrition, disease and nutrition. And there were like 600,000 studies. I didn't read them all, but I, I got, I think I got <laughs> a, all the most important ones. And I got stuck on fats because they were so confusing. They were so confusing. Mm-hmm. For instance, you, you'll appreciate this. Omega-6 is essential. Essential means you got to have it to live and be healthy. You can't mm-hmm. make it in your body. So it has to be brought in from outside. If you don't get enough, you can't stay healthy. Your health will deteriorate. You will get deficiency symptoms because you're not getting enough of this substance. And the symptoms become worse with time. And if you don't get enough long enough, you die. This is like the, the, ma- the, the major essential building blocks for body construction and body function. 
Mm-hmm. And if you bring it back in adequate quantities before you die, then all of the symptoms of not getting enough are reversed because life knows how to make the body provided we take responsibility at our mouth to make sure that all of the essential building blocks land in the body so life can do the job. So, uh, so I knew that. And they said omega-6s are essential, so you have to have them. And you read another study and says, oh, yeah, and by the way, omega-6s cause cancer and kill you. So I was going, huh? <laughs> essential, you got to have it, and then it kills you? It's like, you know, how's that supposed to work? Right. How do you reconcile it? And how I reconciled it is it made me look deeper and realize that what we blamed on omega-6s, the cancer that kills you, actually came from damage done by the processing of the oils, which are our most sensitive nutrients, damaged by light, by oxygen, by heat, should get the most care because they're so sensitive. They're more like, they're more like lettuce than they are like, like minerals. You know, they're, they're perishable. And we give them the least care. We throw them in the frying pan, turn them into smoke. Right. And obviously, if you turn oil into smoke, you've changed the chemistry. So you've, right. you've taken something that is, is essential, and then you have partially damaged it, and apparently damaged it enough that it can give you cancer and kill you, even though it was essential when it wasn't undamaged, when it, when it was undamaged. So, so and then, can I ask you a question about this? Yeah. So you have you have a product and it's a it's a th- it's an omega three six nine yeah and so one of the the things that I always uh, w- was taught and read on was we have this we have this issue with the ratio mm-hmm. of omega three mm-hmm. and sixes mm-hmm. in our diet we dietarily seem to be able to consume and I'm assuming in this conversation and you're going to correct me that all omega sixes are created equal which I think we're both in agreement is not true but we've got this high in- intake of omega sixes yeah. and we have this low intake of omega threes and one of our challenges in terms of inflammatory processes is that we don't get enough omega three yep. and so my clinical brain was always like all right I'm not going to supplement supplement yeah. on more omega-6s. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to supplement on is more omega-3s so that I'm driving the ratio in a different way. And yet you've got your omega-3, 6, 9, and I have forever been puzzled by that as a clinician. And I'm excited to ask you okay. why that is. Where, like, where, where does my clinical thinking need to shift? Well, I'm here to cure your troubledness about oh, this question. <laughs> so, There are two issues. One is we're not getting enough omega-3 because omega-3 is only present in a a few sources. And it's a northern oil and northern or southern oil. It's closer to the poles. You get more omega-3s. Then you go south, you get more omega-6. Then you go further south, you get more omega-9s. And then you get into the tropics and you get more saturated. And that's just like in, in in the natural environment that makes sense. Right. Right. So, so omega-3 is too low. It's actually too low in 99% of the population. 99% of us don't get enough omega-3 for optimum health. Every cell needs them. So there have right. to be lots of symptoms from not getting enough. Right. Omega-6 is essential. We get too much in comparison to omega-3s, but our omega-6s are partially damaged. Okay. And, and we... We first developed flaxseed oil, which is like about four times richer in omega-3 than omega-6. 
And I became omega, omega six deficient when I used flax oil exclusively as my source hmm. of fat in the diet. And so the ratio obviously is important, but it was also important to get rid of the damaged omega six and replace right. them with omega sixes made with health in mind. Now the people who right. sold flax oil are the people who misled you who said, oh, you get enough, enough omega sixes, just get flax oil and get your omega threes. Right. But you're not, right. you're not getting rid of the damaged omega sixes you've got. And that's not right. good health advice. So that's why right. we did that. The ratio is twice as rich in omega-3 as omega-6. So you mm -hmm. have enough omega-6s not to become omega-6 deficient, but you have more omega-3s because they're the ones that reverse so many symptoms because we're, so many people are not getting enough. And, Brilliant. And fundamentally- We should have had this I, interview 10 years ago. Yeah, fundamentally what I was, what I was saying is, now that I know how much damage is done to the oils, and by the way, let me tell you, in a tablespoon of an oil that is 1% damaged, which is about what it is, by the industrial processing, before right. they put it in the bottle, you get 60 quintillion damaged molecules. And that's more than a million damaged molecules for every cell every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. That's why we wow. want, want, that's why we put omega-6 is made with health in mind in there and tell people you need to get off of the industrial omega-6s that get you that many damaged molecules. Because we do that, we, we two, two to four tablespoons, and we do that for 30 years. And these molecules are changed to something that never existed in nature. Your genetic program was not made to deal with them and it doesn't deal with them well. So they pile up. And if you get enough of them, then they interfere in so many places in your body with so many things that need to be going on in that space. And Can you that, define industrial omega-6s for us? Oh, they're, they're, they're oils that have been basically treated with Drano, window washing acid, bleached, and fried before they go in the bottle. Now, they call it something different. They're, they're uh, degummed, refined, bleached, and deodorized. But uh, uh, that's where the damage comes from. It's from the processing. So if you ate the seeds and nuts and they were not roasted and not salted to hide the rancid taste, but if you mm -hmm. ate fresh seeds and nuts, the, the oils in those fresh seeds and nuts would not be damaged because they would be in their natural state. It's the processing right. that causes the problem. And then we use them for frying. These are the oils. These are the most sensitive nutrients of all of our nutrients. And we right. throw them in a frying pan and damage them with light, oxygen, and heat all at the same time. The three things that damage the most. And, and then, you know, so my view is that frying is the single stupidest things we have ever invented in 200,000 years to do in terms of our health. And I tell people, if you got a frying pan, take it out, turn it upside down, hit yourself on the head with it really hard so it's associated with pain because that thing is going to give you a lot of pain and then throw it out. How do you heat your food? Well, when I was a kid, cooking meant preparing food in hot water. And, right. and even olive oil, it traditionally was not used for frying. What they did mm -hmm. is they cooked their vegetables in water. They dumped the water. They added the oil to enhance flavors and the absorption right. of oil-soluble nutrients. They didn't right. fry extra virgin olive oil. 
Mm-hmm. But the but the industry decide. Oh my God, they use water for cooking. What if we could use them? What if we could get them to use oil for cooking? Imagine how much more oil we could sell. And and so our parents were miseducated by the industry in order to increase their sales at our expense. Does that make I love you, this. Doesn't that make you mad? <laughs> Makes me mad. Well. You know, and I think it speaks to this idea you mentioned before. You said, you know, you had this moment where you realized after you'd had the pesticide poisoning, Mm -hmm. my health is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I really think what you're you're doing here is you're you're informing this notion that uh, health is our respective Mm -hmm. responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And we're actually only going to be able to uh, to achieve and attain that responsibility in its highest form by asking the right questions, which you have emulated throughout the course uh, of your life. Right. What yeah. And the response? question and the question is always what was it like before we became so civilized? What right. what does it mean to live in line with nature and our nature? Because right. that's where because health is only possible if you live in line with nature and your nature. So what does that mean for you? Like what does it look like on a typical day in terms of how you prepare your food and what you eat? Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me answer. Let me finish answering your previous question before I go there. So when I realized the damage on oils, I said, I can't get healthy on oils made like this. We should make them with health in mind. And the year after I got poisoned, omega threes were established as essential by the same definition that I gave for the omega sixes. And I I went off like a firecracker. Oh, my God. If we could make oils with health in mind and then we could bring back the missing omega-3s and provide people with undamaged omega-6s in the right ratio, oh, my God, we could help so many people. And, and then I became so inspired. I had no business background. I had good science background, but I had no business background. And we had no money. And we were so enthusiastic that flaxseed oil <laughs> – became the second highest selling oil in the na- in the natural food trade within two years. We did a, a, an, a, a tour in a van in 1988 in the hottest months through the U.S., July, August, half of September, half of June, 101 days, 85 cities. And l- we slept on the floor of the van. We had our... our our clothes on a broomstick inside the double doors. And we took our it's showers amazing. in Marriott hotels and washed our clothes in, in the showers. <laughs> and we did that for 101 days. And we were so on fire. We had, it was so fun. I mean, it was really hard work, long days, short nights. But we, I was so inspired with this idea that we could help so many people if we could bring oils made with health in mind back. And that's basically what carried us, <laughs> the enthusiasm. <laughs> and we made tons of business decisions, all really good decisions based on, pur- on the purpose, based on right. getting an, a bottle in every fridge, you know, because right. they're, they're so important because they're staples. And, uh, of course, we've, we've probably made it to less than 1% of the, the fridges in, you know, <laughs> But the enthu- it wasn't for lack of enthusiasm. <laughs> well, I feel like you made really good business decisions because you were also consuming your own product. Yeah, and I and I was clear about what the what the decisions were I, because I was clear about what the oils needed. We wouldn't work with people who w- weren't willing to refrigerate our oils in storage, 
and uh, you know because we set all of these parameters right to get to keep right. the oils in their natural state so they they could unfold their natural benefits and uh we just thought we'll give them the care they need at the front end so we don't have a mess to clean up at the back end and they actually serve the purpose of health okay well i've been talking about this on the on the podcast lately there's a book i read uh, by Ryan Holiday called Perennial Seller. Mm -hmm. And it's really about like, how do you create something that can stand the test of time? That isn't just a one hit wonder, right. as it were, whether it's a product or a book or anything else. And I, I really feel uh, as though you have achieved that. And he speaks of this idea that you have to be rationally passionate about what it is that you're putting out into the world. Irrationally passionate? irrationally yeah, yeah. passionate like to most was, people they're looking and they're like what is it? what's the deal with this guy and his oils yeah. but you're but like i can you can just hear it in your telling of the story yeah. like you're like we are on a mission and it yeah. and it elevates you physiologically spiritually all of these uh all of these different uh all of these different elements it's so uh it's so evident but i mean your your product and philosophy has had has had longevity it's influenced lives yeah. well one of the reasons i think for for the longevity is we're talking about something that's essential we're not talking about a fad we're not talking about right. something that's optional we're talking about something that every cell in your body has to have and can't make and has to get from outside and so when you when you're on it on that kind of a topic that will stand the test of time because it also gets you results because it takes you closer to being in line with nature and so, right. and so, um, you know, so, you know, air, air has stood the test of time too, right? Cause we need it. Right. And water has stood the test of time because we need it. Right. And the oils, we brought them back in because somebody had messed them up. And so we were bringing back, bringing in something that had been messed and we weren't getting enough of. And we started getting, and people got consistent beneficial results in all kinds of different things. In fact, the research now says when you increase omega-3s in your diet and they're not damaged or don't contain toxins, you can improve virtually every major degenerative condition of our time. So... The, you know, it stands the test of time simply because it's been so neglected and is right. so evidently helpful. Right. And the oils have just been so adulterated by the by the food industry yeah. that I, I think we get a uh, we don't get a clear picture from the from the research and evidence at times. And I think that has informed, you know, I, I, a very prominent speaker spoke at a conference uh, I attended about 10 years ago and then I it was a naturopathic conference and the naturopathic community was up in arms with the speaker. But, you know, I still have people close in my life who subscribe to this philosophy and that is all oils are bad. And yeah. if we could remove all oils, yeah. literally all oils from someone's diet, we can reverse heart disease and we can do all of these different pieces where, you know, I'll just call it out. I think this is a fad and ill-informed, but from your perspective, where, where did that philosophy come from? Well, it probably and, came and from China. Where do we need to go It probably here? came from China where they, where they compared people who were using oils treated with Drano window washing acid, bleached and fried, and 1% damaged by that and giving 60 trillion uh, damaged molecules in every tablespoon and not knowing the depth of, of the research to find out that the damage was by the processing, not by the oil. And the, mm -hmm. the truth is, if you were to go on an oil-free diet, 
that would kill you because you would not get any omega-3 or any omega-6. And right. these people who say no oils, they're, it's because they don't trust the industry. So they want right. you to get your oils from the foods that are in their, that are in their natural state. So they're, right. so they're half misinformed, but half right on the money. Right. Can we get as many oils as we need from our food alone? Well, if, until the oil industry was invented, every creature had to. Right. <laughs> but given, and, given and we, I, I, we're not living in normal times. Mm -hmm. So the environmental pressures, the, the stress, mm -hmm. the, uh, the EMFs, mm -hmm. the lack of high quality, access to high quality foods, income disparities. Like we could go on and on as to why we are not eating in an ancestral mm -hmm. uh, manner. Yeah. So, so given, given that piece... Like and you have an obvious bias because you have a you have a company that has created and gives people access to these oils. But notwithstanding that piece, mm -hmm. do you think do you think we need to supplement on oils or can we do it from food? Um, I I can just tell you that from what we've from the results we've seen, there is something that is missing in many people's diets that the oil corrects. Right. And, and so, f so from the perspective of results, we've gotten good results. Is there a point where you would want to graduate from the oil to the, to whole seeds? Yeah. If you understand, if you understand, if you have the education to understand what you need, you could do that. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have that education. Right. Or the time or the inclination or the balancing out of all of right. these uh, all of these pieces, you know, in practice, right. I would talk to patients sometimes about this idea. I called it a hedge your bets protocol mm -hmm. where, you know, I might not be able to provide you with 10 randomized placebo controlled trials of people who are taking oils versus not, mm -hmm. but the, but the downside doesn't necessarily outweigh the potential benefit. Um, and you know, to that, to that end, yeah. having the opportunity to be able to include high quality oils, I think not only is, is efficacious at preventing disease, but there's so many health promoting elements mm -hmm. to it too, neurological health and brain health and all of these different pieces. What are some of your favorite things that you've seen in terms of health optimization with respect to oil supplementation? Oh, uh, skin is what most people rave about because if you get enough oil, then they'll make it to your skin. And right. I've never read this in a journal, but this is my observation that right. skin gets oils last and uses them first because you can mm -hmm. live with dry skin, but if your heart or your liver dried out, <laughs> you wouldn't survive that. So, right. so the internal organs get the oil first. And if your skin becomes soft and velvety because the omega-3 and 6 together form a barrier in the skin against the loss of moisture. So if, right. if your skin is soft and velvety, that's my measure for optimum intake. Um, and and it's it's really quite remarkable how how nice skin feels, and then you don't need gunk on the outside because you're really supposed to oil your skin from the inside. If you do need gunk on the outside, I would say put coconut on the outside. Right. But you got to make sure you get your omega three and omega six because both are essential for health and for life. Right. And whether you get them from whole foods or you get them from oils or you get them from something, what, whatever you get them from, the key is. You need this stuff. Now, all the people yes. who, who don't like oils, 
I get that they're suspicious of industry because there's a lot of cheating goes on in industry. Nobody knows if one day I'm going to wake up and say, ah, you know what? This has been a lot of hard work. Let's cut some corners here. So, right. so <laughs> unless, you know, and they don't know if they can trust me. I'm just another guy who's in business in a way. Right. And so, and so I get why they're suspicious. And I get why they why they say, well, eat the foods the way nature made them. Don't mess with them. Uh, you know, but that means we would all be eating fresh, whole, raw, organic. And so if they do all the time, if they do any cooking of any of the foods they eat, then they're also <laughs> then they then we'd be we could say, well, you guys, you you shouldn't really be cooking the food because in nature, nature's mandate for every creature except us who thought we were smarter than nature and the creatures we feed got their food fresh, whole, raw, organic. Right? Right. We've seen time and time again where we where we run astray when we think we are uh, smarter than nature. Um, I, mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that is an interesting segue to back to this idea of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that before. And, you know, I think we're at a unique point in human global history right now, where there is a poignant awareness of our health, mm -hmm. unlike we have ever had access to or or had the attention of uh, before. Mm -hmm. What would you say to people globally right now around this idea of the opportunity that stands before them to take personal responsibility for their health? What is your message? What's your message well, to the world, Udo? I, I you know, after I did oils, I worked with digestion because I think that's the second most neglected area and bringing di digestive enzymes, probiotics, fiber into the diet. So more plant-based, more whole food, but also uh, taking supplements because when we cook our foods, we destroy the enzymes in the foods that do up to 60% of the digestion of the food for us. And we kill the probiotics that are on the food the way nature makes them, that's where animals get them. They get it, start in their mouth, work their way through the digestive tract, have very powerful benefits to health. So I got into that and then I got into inspiration because I noticed that if people are not inspired, you can give them good information and they won't put it into practice. So then inspiration became nutrient one. And then I, I sat down, I said, what else affects health? And I said, like, you know what? Actually, everything affects health. So that so I I'm I created like a, an overview of a field of health that looks at number one awareness what what or probably better said self awareness so if you can bring your focus into your own being into the space your body occupies and look for what is not physical in that space so you'll find energy there you'll find awareness there that is where your wholeness, your feeling of wholeness comes from. That is the feeling of wholeness. That's in your awareness. You don't get wholeness from the outside. You, you, <laughs> you are wholeness by nature in the universal essence of your being. And then on top of that is energy, life energy. Life energy is solar energy. You know, we are, so you are, you are sunshine in your individual essence you are not the body in fact when when i ask you if i ask you wh whose body is that what, what would be your answer 
I don't, I don't know. Well, most, my initial answer would be my own, but yeah, yeah. Most people would say, this is my body. Right. But here's what's funny about that is you've just told me you're not the body. You've just told me you're the owner of the body, my body, just like my watch, right? This is my watch. I'm not the watch. I own the watch. You own right. the body. So then who are you as owner of the body? And if you trace right. it all back in science, you are solar energy that got trapped by green plants, stored in bonds between molecules that became the food. You ate the food, broke it down. The solar energy was released. There's your life. That, that is your life. And that energy weighs nothing, runs everything, uses the genetic program, uses the structures that were created by it right. over eons and runs everything in your body. Mm -hmm. And if you then go subjective on that and you bring your awareness into, because you say, okay, well, if I'm solar energy, what does it feel like to be me? <laughs> so you bring your awareness inside through some kind of a stillness practice and become that light. And that's an experience. And now you're in the realm of the masters who talked about that in various ways in different cultures over different times. And the master that they talked about, you know, when they talked about, they referred to themselves as the master, they weren't talking about their body. They were talking about the life energy that they are, that we all are. And they all said, what I have, you have. If you do what I do, they all did stillness practice. If you do what I do, you will discover that you are what I am. So the master, the master that, you know, that religions were named after, mm -hmm. that ne they never understood that the essence of it was experience. The masters, the master lives inside of every human being and it's called life. If you want to be unreligious about it. If you want to be religious about it, then you call it whatever it was, the person who was living in that state and whose wisdom and healing and, you know, and it felt attractive to be around it. And the words still ring true and they still give people hope, even though they've been, <laughs> the, the message has been turned on its head. Yes. In many cases, mm -hmm. it has. Mm -hmm. Udo, I, lo I love the of the breadth of conversation that we have yeah. been able to cover today yeah. from the, the minutia of the biochemistry of science yeah. to, you know, yeah. answering the questions of life. I feel like this is a perfect place to transition the interview to something I call our KPIs, okay. or key performance yeah. indicators. There's six more, Just like we, there are six more parts of human nature, but we can do that another time. <laughs> can we do part two? Yeah, sure. Um, oh, for, oh, for. Because, uh, I, you know, I think this is... Um, I think this is is really incredible and there is an opportunity and I think we're seeing that in in so many awakened conversations uh, happening in the world right now mm -hmm. um, that there's there's always opportunity uh, within uh, within tragedy and um, one of the questions I'm asking in our in our KPI section mm -hmm. is you know what is your most recommended book of 2021 it could be something new it could be something that you've returned to or you know it could be an idea that uh, that you are sharing with people. Yeah, and you know what? I read so many books. <laughs> right now I'm reading, uh, what's it called? The Happiness 
the happiness formula or something. It's an mm -hmm. older book. Um, I, I would say, um, let me just get it here. Joe Dispenza's books. Yeah. Very interesting what he's done. Um, uh, th that would be a place like if you really want to go deep, mm -hmm. that would be a, that would be a, something I would read. I've read all his books. I like those kind of, you know, he's, it's like an application of, of, uh, of spiritual theory, you might say, physical application of spiritual theory in, in healing and, and, but also understanding how, how, um, every thought has an energy and that energy has effects on the body and how much of uh, our our healing is not just take a supplement but is change your thinking change your feeling change your pres your self presence maybe change who you hang out with and maybe change how you live in the environment um yeah, it's interesting how much he has come up in the last, I'm going to say, 12 weeks of interviews that we have uh, okay. have done. Yeah, it is It is really fascinating. What is your favorite health hack? Health? Hack. If there's like one thing we could do, if you could just get everybody to do this one thing every day, like what is your favorite thing you like to share with people? I would say, I would say stillness practice. Taking the time of all the things that we've neglected most is that, you know, we, we're always do, do, do. We're supposed to be human beings. We've become human doings. We're addicted to mm -hmm. doing, and we don't take the time to be present in our own space and, mm -hmm. and get a sense of how magnificent it is for dust, water, air, and light to be mixed up together and have the human experience. So I have two more questions, but I kind of feel like we have to stop with that like that was a mic drop right there <laughs> i love that i, I am going to ask you two more questions because i know you're going to be just as insightful mm. how would you define your purpose um you mean like what is my purpose mm -hmm. i i think every human being has two purposes the primary purpose is to enjoy fully enjoy the gift of being alive because it's a, it's a gift that only you can enjoy. And if you don't enjoy it, it's a wasted gift. I can't enjoy your life for you. So that's number one purpose. Enjoy and fully enjoy the gift. And again, stillness practice is probably the biggest thing missing for doing that. And number two, once I feel whole because I'm present in my gift, there's nothing left to do except help. So then my question becomes, where can I help? What needs to be done? And how can I make the biggest splash for good in one body in one lifetime? I'm loving that answer. Right. I'm so glad we didn't stop but the, with question number yeah, two. But the, but, the, but the issue is, you know, the, we know there are a lot of things that need to change. None of them will change until we become whole in our own being, independent of our surroundings because there is a wholeness that is independent of surroundings. Until we become whole, we will not leave, live differently into the world. And it's how we live into the world is what created all the problems that, you know, whether you're talking about environment or politics or relationships or health. 
We created mm-hmm. those problems by our state of being, our disconnected state of being. And maybe on, maybe we can talk about how that happened because I know how that happened. It's very cool. <clears throat> okay. I had one last question mm-hmm. for you, but I can't ask it until you talk about how we entered into this disconnected state of being. We're, we're going to do, we're doing the segue. We're doing it. How did it happen, Udo? Okay. Um, when, when you were in your mother's womb, you were completely whole. I call it the Buddha tank because you're floating around in this little thing. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. Everything's taken care of and you're safe. And so you're floating around in the tank. Your body's growing. Your awareness has no place to go. So your awareness is at rest inside in its source in life. That's the enlightened state. And in fact, you were in the light in that, in that, for, in that time nine months or whatever, however long you were in there. When we came out, everything changed. So we had to get to know the world and life arranged it that our senses, our, our awareness goes out through our senses into the world whenever something changes, because we have to monitor the change. Is this friend, is this foe, or is this irrelevant? So because we have to learn to make very quick survival assessments and then respond to our assessments. And in that process, our awareness went out, went out from inside present, outside absent. Now we're outside present, inside absent. And that disconnection was the beginning of heartache. Heartache is the reminder of our disconnected state. Now what we do on the outside, we we don't know how to go home. We don't know that that's even even a topic unless somebody talks about it. So we we so we go out, we fall in love with grandmother and we fall in love with our dog and we fall in love with somebody else and we hope that they will complete us. And it never mm-hmm. works because the disconnect is on the inside. So the reconnect has to be on the inside. That's why the stillness practice. You sit into your heartache, you sit with it, you feel it, you accept it. You don't judge it. Can be pretty intense. You might cry sometimes. Won't hurt you, won't kill you. But if you sit in that in that heartache long enough, less than a hair's breadth behind it is your wholeness. And that's the reconnect that is the first step to changing how we live on this planet, how we live with each other, how, how we live in nature, how we do our politics, how we do our relationships, and how we do our self-responsible healthcare. Well, I like how you do entrepreneurism, Udo. I love that you're bringing this, this philosophy to uh, the work that you're putting into the world, which I think is a reflection of your lifelong curiosity. And so yeah. it feeds into my last question. The blessing, you, which the is blessing of war. <laughs> the, listen, the there's, blessing, there's of war. blessing of challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My last question mm-hmm. for you, Udo, entrepreneurism. Mm-hmm. Are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? No, um, born this way. Something in us, something in us is, is, excited, something in us loves to learn, something in us wants to help, you know, but again, from the state of wholeness, it's totally built in from the state of disconnected, we get confused. Amazing. 
Udo Erasmus, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Where can I direct people to learn more about the amazing work and thinking and philosophy and contribution you're putting into the world? Well, the products are on uh, Udo's Choice, U-D-O-S-Choice.com. And that's oils, enzymes, probiotics, greens, fiber, and why we make them and how we make them and the thinking behind it. That's, That's there. And uh, I have another website, it's called udoerasmus.com and we do education and we have some courses and we're just, we're just building that. Um, and then I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I'm on, I have a YouTube channel, <laughs> so I, I'm not hard to find. I've been, I've been uh, uh, doing education and posting stuff for quite a few years. Amazing. And we'll make sure everyone uh, who accesses our show notes and you can access those by going to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. You can, uh, you can reach all of the amazing things that uh, Udo is doing. Udo, thank you so much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, today. Thank you. You're, you're, uh, you're obviously deep yourself. <laughs> thank and you. thank you for being an amplifier for, for a message. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Because I know you're going to ask me this, you're going to send all sorts of messages. I'm just first off going to acknowledge where you can get Udo's oils. Like how awesome is it? He's just got his own oils, first name basis. Udo's oils are available. Oh, at I don't know, just about every health food store, certainly uh, across North America, definitely at uh, Whole Foods. And I'm going to encourage you to do what I did. Identify what oil is going to work best for you and get it into your diet ASAP. I love this idea of nourishing your skin from the inside out. I love some of the observations uh, that Udo shared. And I promise you an insightful episode. And I know we absolutely delivered on that piece. I would love to continue to hear from you carry on this conversation. We're going to keep things going over on my Instagram account. We're going to be able to copy Udo and pull him in to the conversation that's taking place. We've got our daily poll over on my Instagram at Dr. Megan Walker. I was going to say .com, but it's just at Dr. Megan Walker. And if you want access to our show notes, if you want to be able to follow up and learn more about Udo's work, you can head on over to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. And either the episode is right at the top or you can use the search bar. You can type in Udo and it will be brought up right away for you. As always, I am Megan Walker wishing you an impactful week ahead and we'll hear you again right here next Tuesday. <laughs>